Welcome back to Beyond Well with Sheila Hamilton. This is a program for people who want to learn more about their interior lives. And every week, Dr. Brian Goff joins me. (laughs) Honestly, the reason that I'm so psyched to have Nastasia Minto in town is because I started reading some of her incredible feminist writing in um, the book Naked. Nastasia, you were you were raised in this very conservative South Georgia, is that right? Yes, South Georgia. And a fundamentalist background, religious background. Mm-hmm. And Portland, Oregon is where you make your town. <laughs> You're a feminist author in the most progressive city in America. Tell me how this happened. Oh man, so I was raised by my grandparents in South Georgia. They were both ministers of the Church of God in Christ, and for the longest I was rebellious I mean I'm probably still very rebellious right now but I didn't get into like Christianity and all that stuff until I think I was about 15 or 16 where I saw a guy at a FCA camp fellowship of Christian athletes and he was talking about his life and how his mom was a single mom and he had a brother who was um had a disability And he went to meet his dad, who was a drug dealer and a drug addict. And he said, you know, I never wanted to be like him. And I told myself that I would not grow up in this environment. And I just said, I don't know what that man got, but I want it. Like, I want whatever it is because I don't want to continue to grow up in this environment. You know, my mom, my aunt, my uncles, that's all I seen was drugs. My grandparents, thank goodness for them. But I was around it. We lived in the projects from, you know, pretty much the time I was born until I was 19 and went off to college. And so it started there, and I was just like, well, if God is the solution, if Jesus is the way, then that's what I want, because I want to get out of this, and I want to have a solid mind, and I, you know, I want to be so secure in myself, and Jesus is the way, so that's what I want. And from the time I was, I want to say 17, up until I was about 25, very much hardcore Christian, you know, I was preaching at churches, I was doing youth ministry, I was doing camps, I was doing all of it yeah Mm -hmm. um and at the same time I was very much suffering from the fact that I was very gay and I didn't want to be so it was a constant battle of God why would you make me like this and then it was that to okay well maybe this is a thorn in my flesh and so just bible verses of like this is what I have to suffer through because Mm -hmm. I'm not going to get married I'm not going to marry a man I'm not going to have kids um I'm just going to serve God and I'm going to go on mission trips and and that's what I'm going to do. So I went to a private Christian school because, you know, I thought that would be the way to help me out. And it didn't. It just showed me how gay I really am. Mm-hmm. Um, I transferred and I went to a public school. And that's where I met my ex in North Carolina. And I remember thinking, God, why would you do this to me? Like, why would you put me in a situation where I'm going to be tempted and I'm going to fall for it because it's exactly what I wanted. Mm. And that, that was hard. So four years of just hiding depression and like, why am I on this earth? Why am I alive? Mm. And it was in 2011, I was standing in front of my windows, like on the second floor. And I just thought, you know, I could jump, but I wouldn't die. I would just kind of break some bones. Mm. And I was like, God, you have to speak to me and tell me that this me, like I'm okay. And that you love me and that I am love. And I just remember hearing so vividly, like, my love never fails. My love never fails. And so I tattooed that on my arm, <laughs> many tattoos of Bible verses. But I said that day, okay, all right, here, here we go. I'm telling everyone. So I told all the Christian ministry uh, members. I told all my friends. And I was like, okay, this, this is it. 
But it went from there to Asheville, North Carolina, and I don't know if y'all know about Asheville. Asheville is very similar to Portland. Yeah. <laughs> oh, really? And um, so hippie and so, like, Portland. And hmm. I was just like, oh, my gosh, this is like the devil. <laughs> this is the city of the devil. <laughs> um, but it was there when I turned 25 that I said, okay, I can't, I can't believe in this anymore. Because I was so depressed that I was just like, every day was like, why am I waking up? Why am, and my life was moving. It was moving forward, but I was still very much like, why am I here? What am I doing? I'm not doing what God has called me to do. I'm not, um, I wasn't in the ministry anymore because, you know, you can't preach and teach when you're openly gay, at least not in my part of the world. So Mm -hmm. let me say that. Um, So I wasn't doing any of that. And I was just kind of like, what am I doing? And I said, okay, God, (laughs) again, here we are five years, three years later. And if this is the life that I'm going to live and if I'm not going to do anything more than this, then just take my life now because I'm willing to die and be close to Christ and to stay here and try to figure this out. Mm -hmm. And I just sat in the room and I just cried and I said, God, like, I cannot do this anymore. I can't constantly wake up thinking that I don't want to live when I have so much to live for. At least that's how I feel. I have so much to live for. Um, And then I just felt like peace and reassurance. And it's like my brain was clear. It's like, okay, now you can think whatever you want to think. Now you have that freedom to build a foundation. So here we are almost five years later, and I'm just continuously building a foundation of who I am. Brian, I know I know you're probably as moved by this as I am. Brian has a much deeper um, history in uh, fundamental Christianity, and I think that what Nastasia is explaining is so much the experience for so many gay kids who want to believe in God, but the teaching of their church says we can't take you the way you are. Mm-hmm. How does a person begin to accept themselves if the teachings that they're brought up from the time they're just able to actually understand language, say you're not okay the way you are. Yeah. One of the things that I love, Nastasia, about the way that you describe that is it seems like you never turned from yourself. You may have had inward battles, but you didn't deny you. And it also, and maybe I'm putting this on you, so if I'm off, let me know, that you moved further from the church but nearer to God. I would definitely say that. Mm -hmm. And in my experience, and I'm no expert, in all of this, I do have some personal experience, but it's just my experience that I think sometimes people conflate what they believe the heart of God or the divine or love or whatever name you want to give it, what the heart of that is, and then what the particular church or denomination that you're a part of says it's about. Mm -hmm. And when you can step back and sort of see, actually, there are a lot of people who feel as though they are following something and someone bigger than them, but they have different opinions about some of that stuff. And my experience is, with all due respect to people of faith, and, and I consider myself a person of faith, is that sometimes there's a majoring in the minors and a minoring in the majors, mm-hmm. if you know what I mean. Yeah. So we're going to pound away at the thing that makes us distinct from all the other people quote unquote heathens and 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 other people who call themselves followers of of someone or something rather than what is really 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 at the heart of what we're about you know i drove past a church recently and they had a sign outside that said we would rather be excluded for the people we include 
than mm-hmm. be included for the people we exclude. Wow. And to me, that's, you know, if what people purport to follow is love and, and love either lowercase l or uppercase l, that that needs to stay close to the heart of it. And it seems to me like in your story, you stayed close to that as you filtered through like what else here. But it's tough trying to figure out what's yeah. baby yeah. and what's bathwater. Yeah, it, it is really. It's really, really hard, especially when your community is saying, no, no, the thing that you're setting aside is essential and you are being deceived or you are being whatever. That, you know, to sort of say, like, actually, when I look at this, this resonates for me. Yeah. Yeah, I'm only laughing because I've heard that so much, so much like of you are being deceived and the people you're hanging around with are really um, influencing you as if I didn't have a brain to think for myself. So just hearing that, I'm like, yes, that is so much what I heard. And even me, I went back when I was 25. I went back to a lot of people that I had pushed towards, like, you need to get saved and God will save your life. I was the one preaching, like, God delivered me from homosexuality. Like, I preached that. Mm. And so I had to go back to people because I... I'm so to the point of I will apologize and, you know, I'm not afraid of my flaws and my wrongs. And so I went back and I apologized to all those people that I felt like I had wronged in that way of I pushed you to do like saying stuff. God and Jesus is your lifeboat. So just jump when me not really taking consideration what the person is fully going through. And so now I feel like me being where I'm at and continuously learning is that God is love universe. Like you said, whatever you want to call it, I just feel like being energy is so vibrant. It's Mm. so much of love that if you can't see it in someone else, then you're not seeing it in yourself. And Mm. that's where I was. I was just like, I need to see this in myself. And that's why I can see beauty and love and grace in other people is because I see it in myself. I give it to myself. Mm. Um, And so that, that was just a big part. (laughs) No, no, no. no. When I, when I read your stuff, Nastasha, I was like, this could be a preacher for our time, for all people, for people who believe in love and equity and inclusion. I, your words are so powerful and your sense of like justice and where you stand is so such an unbelievable platform. Would you consider what you're doing with your poetry preaching in a way? I, I guess it would have to be, you know, declaring, just, declaring your truth, declaring right. the truth. I mean, and so that was a, in the beginning, that was really hard for me to take on because when I was younger, um, I was a mentee to the pastor. And so I would go everywhere the pastor went and they would prophesy and speak in tongues and all these things to me. And they would say, you're a preacher and you're going to preach and you're going to preach the word. And I was so like, yes, yes, I am. Yes, I am. And then when I got to the point of, well, now I'm like, I'm openly gay and I'm really not. And so that was hard for me and trying to explain to people that I was, I built this foundation because most people say, well, if you're a true Christian and you can just never not be. And I'm like, well, no, I have a solid foundation. So then I can never not be because my mm-hmm. foundation is solid. So I would say preaching or teaching or whatever it is, but these last two years have really been like, you are walking in your purpose, you're walking in your calling, and whether you call it preaching, teaching, transformation, whatever you want to call it, it is what it is. Mm. And so I've been very solid with that. And you know, like my trip to Egypt, I just recently got asked, what was the biggest thing you've learned or what are you bringing back? And for me, it was that being in Egypt, (laughs) you don't see the color because everyone is a shade of chocolate. And so mm. therefore it's all about the characteristics. It's mm. all about who the person is. And you, ha- I feel like you call people in 
when they're doing things where you're like, that's so out of your character. Like, so what's going on? Let's talk about it. And that was such a beautiful thing to be around the sisters in a spiritual journey of just saying, like, let's walk in this together. And that's where I'm at with life. It's just with people. Let's walk in this together because we're all going through something and we're all facing either hard times or really good times. So you want to celebrate me with my good times? Great. And if you want to be with me in my hard times, that's even better because you'll see me climb that mountain. So yes, if you, if you yeah. want to yeah. say, and how do you turn from that message of inclusivity and right. compassion? Yeah, right. You know, I think what you're saying, at least as I hear it, the people who were the most distressed about what you were saying were the people who had power and not the vulnerable. And a good friend of mine who considers himself a Christian says, "Crack open the Bible and find a place where Jesus sides with the powerful and not the vulnerable." Mm-hmm. Good luck. You won't right. find yeah. it. You won't find it. Yeah. Yeah. Nastasha, part of um, what's shocking in your writing, because you have quite a lot of writing for being such a young author, is that you are so open about your experiences of child sexual assault, of uh, gay relationships with people (laughs) who don't know if they're gay. How did you come to this point of saying, okay, I'm me, I'm okay with me now, and now I'm even okay with sharing that experience with an outside world? Well, sharing it on stage just happened recently, like earlier this year, but writing it, I started when I came here in Portland. So Portland is a a really, really big help to me as much as I'm like, I don't know if I want to be here or not. I had a dream about being on the West Coast, and you read in my book, just about me dreaming. I have multiple dreams, so I know like that is from divine, from ancestors, and I hold my dreams close. And so I started writing when I came here this book and the big part was restoration hmm. and I had to dig so deep and it hurt so bad and I was by myself like I'm still by myself now but when I was writing that I was like oh I can't I can't do this right. I can't share this it can't be open none of it and then when I share for the first time in 2018 which people still can't believe I'm like that was the first time I was on stage and a unbelievable. and I just saw the response of it and I was like okay and then two. 2018 I was on a trip and my mom 2017 she went to rehab and 2018 she overdosed again and I really thought and I absolutely love my mom and people don't understand it either and it's just like I, I don't know how to explain it but I love her and she overdosed and I really thought that this time was the last time mm-hmm. and so I said to myself I don't want to die with this inside of me, but I also don't want her to die not knowing how much I love her. And so that's when the big sharing of Mother May I, and I said, okay, (laughs) I've done this. Might as well get the rest of it out. Hmm. Um, I hadn't talked about the sexual assault that happened to me in college until last year. One of my friends, she was telling me everything that she went through, and I'm like shaking, and I said, well, I guess it happened to me too. And she was like, you guess? And I was like, yeah. You know, I don't know, maybe I was just, like, really drunk. It was six years ago, I guess. And she was like, no, it happened. And I was kind of, and she was like, I know. You're saying it, but you don't believe it. And that was the truth. It was just like, I said it, and I didn't believe it. And that's, like, a lot of even good things. I'd be like, oh, I guess it's going to happen. Yeah, it's interesting. And not believing it. And so once I put everything into naked, and I was just like, okay, Grandma, (laughs) I know you're here with me. And it's, it's my truth. And I know some people will accept it and some people will be like, this is not 
where I'm at. But that was the first time. And I saw the freedom in it. Mm. And I saw how people would read it and say, you know what? I've been there or I've done this or I've felt this. And thank you for sharing. The sharing and being vulnerable is really what got me to this place of like, yeah, this is yeah, where I'm at. and how powerful you are. The other day on um, uh, Facebook, you were just noodling with your guitar, and I, I said, Nastasia, please bring in your guitar because it's like your poetry <laughs> comes to light. Would you be willing to sing that song for us? I will. I will. Yeah, so it's a short snippet of poetry. Yeah. time and space you know um, a dimension where things take place like a, like a love that awaits a love to create a love that predates it and when I saw your face I know that love was awakened so I believe so deeply in the things that the universe has for me and I see the things that the universe has for you too and I mean like when we both knew that love was really true and love is really true and we stepped on the back of each other's heels like love was in our shoes and I tried to steal your soul but your soul was already taken and I don't want to be in a place where your soul cannot lay in and when I say I believe and I want to walk through the trees and the breeze these things with you this is just what my heart means and I don't want to pretend to say these things and pull these strings and play these games I just mean what my heart means and I just mean all these things so when I tell you when I tell you when I tell you walk me through your heart baby walk me through your soul baby walk me through Nastasha, your your poetry is so beautiful, and I just want to give people one more opportunity to hear your talent and your spoken word and your preaching. Go ahead. Uh, thank you. Thank you so much. Um, this one is titled Becoming. Am I becoming Harriet Tubman? Going back and rewiring my people and their mental state, leading them to freedom and truth in this physical place? 
Am I becoming Coretta Scott King, standing with my people who have a dream, desire to be judged solely by my characteristics instead of the color of my being? Am I becoming Maya Angelou, a phenomenal woman phenomenally, writing words that will be read and heard generations far beyond me? Am I becoming Oprah Winfrey? A woman they didn't want on the TV screens now owns her own network, a black entrepreneur queen. Am I becoming Michelle Obama? The first black first lady to hold a law degree to be written down in history, being the representation that people of color need to see. We, we are becoming the women they never thought we would be. I... I am becoming the woman they never thought I would be. I mean, I was raised in an environment that was meant to devour me. I was filled with hate. So statistically, I shouldn't be alive to see 28. I mean, from the crack cocaine in my genes, it seems as if I should have been another statistic. An alcoholic, drug abuser, unsuccessful, fully addicted. But I, I began to break chains. 25 years old, neuroplasticity made new connections in my brain. I retrained and reframed from the things that were keeping me farther away from me. I mean, can't y'all see? Can't y'all see the roadblocks and detours that were keeping me away from my destiny? But I am destined, you see, to be something great because I refuse to allow this society to give me a predetermined death date. So I... I purposely pull from the roots that engulf me, the same ones that suffocate but also love me, the same ones that tell me to speak but they also hush me. I am so grateful and thankful for the women who have paved paths before me. You've endured many hardships, but you never gave up on a vision of what you could be. So I, so I had to move myself and environment so that I could be the best version of myself that I am becoming. Thank you guys. But